Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. What the crap? How are you, everybody? Good, good to talk to you. It's the, it's the 7th of December, 2023. We are, uh, what is it now? Goodness, 22 shopping days away from Christmas, and uh, the new year is just around the corner. Uh, wow, we are so close to January 2024, brand new year, time to start and level set and baseline and just get better and better. But I got to tell you, I'm already reflecting on this year. Uh, it has been a bumpy one, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, it's just been really, really incredible, but also, whew, you know, hair uh, graying at times, you know, as you can imagine. Um, and, uh, you know, there's good news all around. Obviously, Spring Cloud just came out. Did you see the new Spring Cloud GA uh, with native support for native images for config server, uh, for the new REST load balance REST client support, for all sorts of cool stuff, you know? Um, you can now use controllers as uh, as Lambdas with the Spring Cloud function. Uh, just go get the bits. And very importantly, supports Java 21, virtual threads, and Spring Boot 3.2. So all that good stuff that came out uh, on Thanksgiving Day uh, for Spring Spring Boot 3.2 is now available in uh, Spring Cloud. So you can just go to start.spring.io, build a new project, and uh, specify Spring Cloud, and you're off to the races. I love this stuff. Um, but uh, it's not the only thing that's happened recently. It's certainly the thing I've been playing with all morning. Uh, but uh, did you also see, I mean, AI is everywhere, right? Isn't it amazing what's happening? Spring AI is your door into the AI world. If you want to integrate AI into a uh, Java application today, I can think of no better approach than to use Spring AI. Uh, and I've been using it. I love it. I mean, it just truly, it, you want to take an existing app and make it a little bit more interesting, uh, assuming you have permission to share some data over the internet, add a little panel for AI. It really is phenomenal what you can do if you start taking existing mundane things and let it let let the person working on that mundane thing pair program with an AI, you know. Um, I, I've been Look, it, it's there's all sorts of kinds of AIs, and some are more cost-effective than others. Some are more resilient than others, and you have to be able to pick and choose based on the priorities of your use case. But um, it, we live in an amazing time now, right? An amazing time where, uh, depending on what you're doing, there might be a model that's more cost-effective, right? Architecture is informed uh, by by constraint, right? It's it's a function of constraint, and so if you have only so much money and you can't afford to Get ChatGPT four. That's fine. You can get something else, right? There's ChatGPT three five. There's Olama. There's um, Hugging. There's all sorts of like different interesting approaches out there that you can use. Um, some of which are starting to appear even in the Java space, right? It's just the it's just really phenomenal. So anyway, all that to say, um, integration is key, and there's a new player in town. Uh, did you see the Gemini? The Google Gemini multimodal AI demo they did yesterday. Now, obviously, I'm a very suspect. Uh, Google have a history of building like pretty great stuff and then abandoning it. You know, Google Wave, GWT, Dart. Although I think it's still technically out there, but nobody uses it. Uh, you know, basically, <clears throat> the only thing that they've really been very consistent with is Android and Angular, as far as I can tell. But anyway, they just announced a thing called Gemini. Uh, and uh, Gemini, I, you know, the demo I saw was staged. Obviously, it's manicured. They used a, a, some, some, they edited it. Obviously, I would too, right? It's a long, there's a lot of moving parts here. Even if 
even if we trust everything we saw in the video, I don't blame them for using an editor because um, they had to like swap, swap out prompts. And that in itself, in of itself, is what makes it so very, very astonishing. The demo uh, purports to show a new AI that has the ability to incorporate all of its senses, hearing, uh, pronunciation, sound, you know, uh, uh, video and image processing and, uh, and emission, uh, text uh, and voice to text, all those things at the same time. And um, it's native. So what, uh, what, they, what I saw in the, the demo, it, they lay, lay out the idea that um, uh, most AIs are single modality and then they stitch them together later, right? So you've got uh, a text AI and you've got an image AI and you've got whatever, and then they have they establish links later on in the second layer in an integration layer, right? This is apparently built from the ground up with all those things in mind, and so there's you know there's meaning that you might get from looking at text and an image that may not be there uh, when you look at just the text and just the image, right? This thing can see and understand and incorporate all that apparently, and they did this incredible demo uh, where they just showed a video and they had the AI off, off to the side and watching what you're doing, well, watching what the demonstrator was doing. Uh, and the demonstrator started by drawing like a little duck on a piece of paper and the AI, and you know, they asked the AI to explain as the, as the person on the left is talking to it, uh, what it's doing. And the, you know, I just said, oh, it's a, it's a, you're drawing a duck and it's a bird. And, uh, and then the, the guy started coloring it blue and the AI uh, lamented that there aren't many blue ducks out there, though, though, though it is possible. Uh, and then the guy trotted out a blue uh, rubber ducky. And the AI responded, what the quack? Um, I was just talking about a blue duck and there's now a blue rubber duck. And it's it just phenomenal, really, really amazing. Uh, obviously there's a lot of hype. Uh, so don't, you know, judge for yourself, but uh, everything I've seen on the internet, hype in the hype machine and full court, right? Full court press uh, is suggesting it's better than chat GPT-4, which if, which if true is a huge deal, huge. Um, so, yeah, good stuff. Really, really amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm really keen to see what that looks like. I wonder what the API will look like. Whatever the API looks like, we'll have it, uh, uh you know, as soon as humanly possible in Spring AI for integration purposes. Uh, but either way, try Spring AI out. If it, just right now, even look, you're not going to go wrong using ChatGPT4, right? Uh, there's amazing opportunities there. It can already do uh, all sorts of cool stuff. And by the way, OpenAI, they have a, a project called a Whisper. Whisper is their uh, their model for turning um, video, no, sorry, audio into text. And then you can use that to feed into ChatGPT. So you can take the text as part of the context of a request and say, okay, you know, analyze this, whatever, you know, rewrite it, whatever you want. Um, so just an interesting uh, possibility is that that model is open source. You can run it today using Python. It's a little Python program, a little Python library. Um, and uh, yeah. Good stuff. Really, really amazing. So my friend, today, uh, in that same vein, I figured, you know, let's talk about um, something not related to tech. Well, I mean, tech, it's a tech adjacent, right? Uh, tech adjacent is super, super uh, vague, I know. But what I mean is I, I had a chance to get two of my all-time favorite people, uh, uh, Spring Crater, the first person to ever write code that became what is known as Spring. Uh, a guy named uh, um, Rod Johnson, the one and only, my friend and 
uh, a hero to us all. Uh, and uh, JCP legend and luminary and executive at uh, Oracle, I think, or vice president, I mean, I don't know, or president, I don't know. She's all but at the very top. Of, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know exactly Oracle's structure, but she's super high uh, up there. And, um, and, uh, She's at Oracle. She's a her name is Heather Vancura, and she's a another amazing human uh, being out there who's just been a friend for a long time, and I'm a, I'm a big fan as well. And so I I had them both over. I had a, a little dinner party, and uh, I had some friends over, and uh, um, we had this idea. Why don't we have a conversation about the premise of Heather's new book, uh, which is uh, all about career trajectory for uh, software people, for technical people, and um, it's it's just a re it's it, she wrote it with uh um bruno uh oh his name we'll talk about it in the interview but uh, either way really fascinating discussion and again can you imagine two better people i mean there's between the three of us uh there's gosh i mean at least 60 years maybe 70 years of software experience in there you know um me i just have a, a, a measly 25 ish uh years so i'm sure they both have another uh five or ten or whatever on me so just uh, two uh, two amazing people and me i'm in the room uh the dog my dog he was in the room when we did the interview um and so the dog and i contributed about as much uh <laughs> but uh, it was really it was really great to just talk to these people and we had we did it live so if you if you missed it i'm sorry but don't worry uh it's recorded and we're gonna hear it today it's gonna be fun uh, and, uh, you know, I would listen to these people. If anybody can help you navigate the, the, uh, the times of AI, it's, uh, it's, uh, Rod and Heather. So my friends enjoy. See you next week. Check out spring cloud, start that spring at AO, get the bits. It's going to be fun. Those comments there. We'll we can, just we have can. to address them live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is fair. Like, but that's fair. We're, we're too be, far away to type, yeah. so yeah. we have to take yeah. verbal verbal commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Commentary is good. <laughs> oh, okay, we did it. So, um, hi everybody. This is an interesting, unique opportunity. We're in San Francisco. Uh, somebody's got to be here. Why not us? Uh, also, the uh, well, you you live here. Uh, yeah. so you're part time, right? <laughs> And you're, you're, we're all, like, I think all three of us have a claim to being a Bay Area people. It's true. It's true. We're all there. local. We're yeah. all local yeah. in the Bay. Yeah. Yeah. True. And, um, but and, now uh, we're, we're not always all together. Never. That's, never. The, that's the serendipity here. That's what's so good. Uh, friends of mine, right? Like, uh, uh, and then now we're in the same place and it's just been such a privilege. And I was, you and I were uh, fixing the talk because you, yes. Heather, yes. Uh, do, by the way, you should, do, do you, do you, yeah, yeah, you should introduce yourself so that I don't yeah. butcher it. Uh, otherwise okay. I'll just, Grovel, which isn't great. Okay, you first. Uh, so I'm Rod Johnson. <laughs> uh, I guess I was the creator of Spring, um, did Spring Source, um, had the privilege of assembling like the most incredible group of people I've ever worked with at um, Spring, including Josh. Hi. So, you know, I think that he's a very, very special team, and that for me is one of the most meaningful things. For the last 10 years since I left VMware, I've done other things, principally investing, companies like Atomist, Neo4j, 
um, and Elastic. But I still write a ton of code in various languages. Eleven years. It hurts me to say since you left. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, well, does the host have to introduce himself now? Oh, they—they're no. they're no, they everyone knows the host. Everyone knows the host. They would rather I just stop showing up, but I'm sure they're here because of you. So okay. now for the other guest, please. Yes, Heather. Heather Van Cura. Let's see, I've been involved with the Java community for over 20 years, and as Josh was just starting to allude to, I recently published a book about developer careers. And we're going to talk about this. That's actually really the thrust of why we're all talking today. And like, uh, there's a lot of conversations we could have with these two amazing people. But this book is, I think, the. the this was the this was the impetus for us getting yeah. together because we were chatting about the book and careers, and we all seem to be interested in this and, topic. So. And we have only in common uh, that we love this thing. We love right? Duke. We, we love, love Duke. Duke. We love Java. So yes. And yeah. yeah, and the book could apply really to any developer in any language, but almost all of the examples in the book are Java developers. So obviously near and dear to my heart. Ron, you still remember Java? I still do. I must admit more recently for my sins, I've been writing predominantly in Python. Oh. I wish I was writing more in Java. Yeah. I guess I've gotten very deep into the AI space. Yeah. And I think what, what we're going to see happening is as people build more and more apps that use LLMs and they integrate that with their app estate, right. I think you're going to see a lot more of those apps being Java. Yeah. I think you're already seeing it with mm -hmm. like TypeScript really taking off yeah. um, in that space. I think it will happen in Java. But obviously the default language of ML ops is Python. So I've been writing a lot of Python. I miss Java. Yeah, miss for Java. now, for now, like you it. said, Java's yeah. right behind there and it's, yeah. it's coming up. So Java is growing by leaps and bounds and, it's, and, and if, it's, yes. if it's proven one thing you should never count it out and it's always definitely not and yeah well i mean I, I think if you look at the kind of work that's going into the jvm i think oh. like java is java obviously has to strike a balance of being a mature language where you have to be very very careful because of the installed base so you can't be irresponsible you can't i don't know don't take this the wrong way you can't turn java into scala um, oh, but, um, well, I mean, you know, I have a soft spot for Scala as well. Yeah, you I, do. I'm not necessarily beating on Scala, but they're just different things. So with Java, I actually think that it's worked surprisingly well under Oracle and that the balance is really pretty good in terms of moving the language forward while still keeping that enterprise solidity. And of course, you know, it's not just the language, it's the programming model around it. And obviously that's something Spring is always awesome at. Right, and Spring's part of the ecosystem. And yeah, that's true. We, security and stability is key with Java, but also balancing it with innovation. And what we've seen over the last five years is the pipeline for new features is richer than it's ever been. Oh. So yeah, it's definitely a balance, but I, security and stability, performance. And if you're building business applications, I mean, I'm acutely aware of this at the moment because I'm essentially working in Python, trying to build kind of LLM enabled apps. Yeah. The kind of functionality I want for building that kind of business app, it was better in Java years ago. It's like some of those problems are just solved in a much more sophisticated way in Java and mm -hmm. the ecosystem. Isn't that, isn't yeah. that interesting? I think the things that make Python so great for the things for which it's uh, sort of uh, 
<laughs> is there something you need? Anyways, what, what are our comments here? Legends just ordered the book. Um, you won't regret it. It's a good really, really good in book. Hawaii. Yes. So we were just Gunner. saying when we started, we'll get we'll get the. I do. That's why I pointed out. But did Ron? Did you overlap with Gunner? You must. Have. I Came, certainly. It must have been familiar with Gunner. I don't know familiar. if we overlapped, but yeah. Um, um, I, I yeah. know him. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, yeah, but, so, but and I Dan, I know. Yeah, all our friends are here. Dan's lots making lots of comments. Yeah, see everybody. Look at that. But, so Gunnar was on the spring team for years. Now he's at Oracle, right? So it's actually. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I don't even know who works at Oracle, honestly. Yeah. Sometimes because to family. me, it's all the community, right? Like yeah. you're part of my family Aww, too. We're all. This is such a nice thing. We met briefly at Spring One many moons. Yeah, that would have been because I think Gunnar joined. Not it couldn't have been a year or two. Not even a year. I don't. It was probably around the same time as I did, and and you left 2012. I joined 2010. So there was, I don't know, must have been some, I don't know, small world. Anyway, what is this? Nice next question. question. 2011. Six months of experience with Java. 2011. Oh, yeah. So you Hard to get into junior positions these days. Any suggestions what to do? Some, oh, same for internships. Great question. Uh, yeah. the, the, first of all, even I, a, a person who's not actively looking for a job, can't help but notice uh, that there are no jobs. Like, it's bad out there. Uh, so, you know. Is this, what is this, what's your, is, does anybody have a solution for this? Because, well, I mean, obviously, uh, actually a lot of things I talk about in the book, but I mean, obviously you have to use your network. So hopefully you have a network. If you don't, you should start building a network. So that's the best way to get a job in any time, but especially at a time like this where it's more difficult um, for internships as well as full-time positions. And I would definitely start with open source projects. So picking something that you're interested in or um, technology that you want to learn about and sharing as you go, as you learn that technology. So once you start learning about something, look for open source projects that relate to it. So like we could use Rod's example, right, of artificial intelligence and machine learning. You know, he's interested in that. He starts learning about it. And then he looks for technologies that map to it and gets involved in it and meets people. That's building your network. And before you know it, you know, when opportunities arise, oh, he's asking which book. Yeah. You're, you're already in position. So the book is called Developer Career Master Plan, and it's a book for people who want to advance their technical careers as developers. So that could be whether you're just getting into the field, coming out of university or being self-taught, or you're in a role already and you really want to take your career to the next level to advance to more senior levels. So um that's a, a plan for how to do that and the things that you should do to run a kind of differentiate yourself from the everyday developer that you might see. I'm actually going to put in a harder plug for the book because I have no vested interest in this. <laughs> um, I, I think the book is truly excellent and I think it does go through a lot of things um, around um, this uh, so, yeah, I would recommend that. Another thing I would suggest, um, <laughs> yeah. great comment, Dan. Yeah. Another thing I would suggest <laughs> is identify an area that is new. And, I mean, one, if, okay, if I can just t tell a story about things that happened before um, spring okay. for me. 
I was originally a music academic. I had a computer science degree, but the computer science degree was, I had zero, zero work experience mm -hmm. in the late 90s. So how did I manage to fairly rapidly from 97, um, you know, accelerate in terms of getting more senior jobs? I, well, what I did was quite intentional. Context, where were you? I was in London at that time. Okay. So the market there was what? Oh, was. the market was reasonably healthy. Yeah. So the problem wasn't the market. The problem was me. The <laughs> problem was that I had no experience whatsoever. In fact, with so little experience outside university. I could write mm -hmm. perfectly good code. Yeah. But the first day on my first job, I discovered a concept called version control which I'd never encountered. That was my level of knowledge of practical software. Well, to be fair, yeah. it's unfortunately the case that for a long time you learned uh, theoretical, not practical skills for some of your university time and version control. Maybe it just wasn't, well, know, it's one of those things you can figure out later once you understood the basics and the theoretics. You know? Oh, I think that is really quite true. I mean, like probably another thing that happened that week, the person who kind of educated me about version control, whom I was sitting next to, was trying to write a parser for um, a business, kind of like simple business rule thing. Was his name Terrence Parr? No, uh, it was not. And Paul did not know as much about parsers as um, I mean, Terrence does. So, so interestingly, although Paul taught me about the practicalities of version control, I was able to explain to Paul that there was a whole theory around writing parsers. Um, and like within two days, we like implemented things that he thought would literally take months because I knew compiler theory. Right. So I think that the academic side, I actually don't think it's necessarily bad that no. computer science degrees are often theoretical because those things, some of those things that I've learned, like compiler theory that I learned in my degree have actually served me in good stead. Right. But anyway, if I can just come back to where I was going with this, <laughs> which is how did I manage to be able to you know, fairly rapidly progress? Yeah. So one reason is I'm a pretty good coder, but, I mean, there are plenty of pretty good coders. That's um, It was helpful, but it wasn't the sole reason. The biggest reason is I identified the right things to focus on. So I identified that if you looked at that time, there were more C++ jobs than Java jobs, but I was way more competitive at Java. So because, you know, there was so little, so few people out there. With, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that is for people who are looking to, you know, take that first step in their career, I would strongly suggest that is an interesting thing. So, for example, if you want to take the next step in Java at this point in time, I think open source, as Heather suggested, is an excellent idea. How would you think about what kind of open source? Well, maybe look at an area that's new. And, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm personally obsessed with it. I think the AI area is pretty new in Java. There are projects like Langchain Java that are really quite interesting, Spring AI. I would actually seriously think of focusing at areas where the people who've got 10 or 15 years experience in Java mm -hmm. are not going to massively outcompete you because they don't have 10 or 15 years more experience in something that's yeah. really new. Well, that's true, yeah, a new thing. Cool. And it's the thing you're interested in too. Like that's the most important thing is you follow your passion, what you're interested in. I mean, if you wanted to start really small in OpenJDK, there's like 
Obviously, if you move versions, there's lots of dependencies. So there's open source libraries and things like that um, that you know maintainers need help with in order to stay up with the latest release. So that's something really small to start with. But yeah, obviously new trends in the technology where yeah you can come in and you have the time to spend learning it and you can educate the more advanced developers and, and offer them something when you come in. I think that's really good advice. But what were you going to say? I was just gonna, so touching on that idea that you espoused earlier, the idea that uh, your, your background in academia served you well. And I think, and that's also, we talked about a big, you know, big fish, small pond, that mm -hmm. whole notion. I think one super good example of both these things was when you and the team embraced AOP that came from the hallowed halls of academia and theory and productionized it. And I think in the same vein, if you can, an AI today is productionized academia, right? It's what we know today as being ChatGPT came from years and years of R&D and uh, theoretics, you know, and like theoreticals. Like, I just think it's, that's a great idea. If you can find something kind of out there and take it to the masses, you know, uh, that might get you, you could be a big fish in a small pond, a relatively unknown one, and there's a lot of upside. Yeah. And I think in chapter one in the book, I talk about, that's kind of one of the first things I talk about is learning to learn and just, you know, getting into that mode of a growth mindset and picking the things. Cause it can be overwhelming too, especially if you're like, this question is right. Like, there's so much. Where do I start? That can be overwhelming. So developing a methodology and a framework for deciding what you want to learn and doing it at a pace that you can actually digest and then take it out and share with other people in the marketplace and in the community. Also, I think the try to be as objective as possible in assessing your strengths and weaknesses. So including things that are not inherent to you, but are how you sit in the job market. So for me, I was quite well aware that in the late 90s, I was extremely uncompetitive in terms of experience. In fact, uh, anybody who looked at my resume wasn't going to hire I was actually a bit lucky that the first job that I got, the hiring manager was off sick. He was not technical. Had Chris been there, I don't think he, well, I'm quite sure he wouldn't have hired me. Instead, I was interviewed by two senior architects who weren't even in the part of the business I was working in, and they grilled me in great detail on things like deadly diamond inheritance problems, and they liked the answers. So they actually asked me nothing but, like, very technical questions which I could answer. So, you know, if you assess your strengths and weaknesses, you know, you can look at what you can do to work, work around the experience problem. But you can also look at things like, for example, do you really like speaking? Do you really like writing? So, you know, another thing that I had going for me is that I had a lot of experience of writing. I quite enjoy it. You know, if that is the case, think about ways you can do that. You can potentially speak at meetups, but also you can contribute to open source projects in documentation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are a lot of things that you can do to that don't necessarily involve writing code. Right. And there's writing too on social media. That's like one of the things. Well, obviously I think sharing is really important because in my book, like that's a whole section, a part, like a part, like multiple chapters about sharing. That could be just writing little things on social media and sharing what you know and helping to raise your visibility. But I think that's a really good point about focusing on your strengths. I'm, I'm really big into that. And I think I learned that lesson personally myself when I, you know, first started out in tech was like trying to make myself into be more like the people around me but when instead i just became more focused on what i'm good at and bringing those strengths to the community i i 
not only enjoyed my career more, but I started to advance more in my career. So I think Rod's advice is sound that figure out what it is that you do really well and do more of that rather than yep. yeah trying to be something that you're not. Alexa, to speak to your question, hopefully some of this is useful. Big or small projects, I think you absolutely start small, start with pull requests. You know, start with, and it could be as simple as just correcting some documentation, just something that's useful and will be accepted. And don't try to force it. Like trying to do a big project is always going to be a little bit risky. Um, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I think do it incrementally and hopefully you will feel your way towards something that's at the right level of granularity. I agree. I, I actually have like five steps for doing this. And What's I'll the, try to remember is that the that. master plan? Well, for the open source, like, I have five like, steps for an open source project. I have five steps yeah. for getting involved in an open source project. And okay. that, that mm -hmm. basically is Ish. the first step is this, pick a project, right? And I talk about that, like, how do you pick a project? I think we already covered that part. Okay. Um, but the second part is, like, communicate with the lead. That Something that you just said just reminded me of that. It's like, don't just go off and write the next new feature that this project should go implement, right? Like say, hey, introduce yourself on the mailing list or to the, the project lead and say what you're interested in, what your thoughts are, and ask them what they think of your ideas and how you could contribute, what would be useful to them, and then go and research like the latest things that have happened, like the latest issues, the latest things that have been discussed on the mailing list, and then come to an agreement together. And like you said, Rod, pick small things and actually do them. Like that's the next step, like actually do what you said you're going to do and then communicate about it and have fun and then go back and start so the process all over again. So picking, like building on each other. The picking small things, I think maybe do you, is it fair to say you should have the communication before you do the thing? I mean, I think it's good. Sometimes maintain maintain, yeah, sometimes people don't know what they want help <laughs> with. That's actually one of like the people who maintain the, that project list that I talked about in Open JDK. I always encourage them to think of those things for first timers, like pick a couple issues that would be really good for someone who just wants to get involved in your project and what could they go fix. Right. Sometimes they don't, they're just too busy. They haven't thought of anything. So I always think it's a good idea to research it and have at least a couple ideas. I know a lot of people will come with a big idea and be disappointed when it's ignored or rejected. But if you at least have a couple of suggestions of small things that you would like to contribute, that could be helpful, but maybe be willing to accept and surrender that that might not be what the project lead wants. So be willing and open to accept, like, this is my idea, but what would help you? How can I be of service to you? A lot of open source projects are pretty good now at identifying what they want, yeah. what issues yeah. they want people to pick up. For well. first time. Yeah, okay, so yeah. 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 I was going to say, Spring yeah. and OpenJDK yeah. will have yeah. ideal for contribution yeah. and GitHub right. issues. So right. if you don't know what to contribute, let yeah. them tell you. And, and right. usually they're simple, like at least certainly with the ones on the Spring team, yeah. it's not like we don't know how to solve these problems. It's just a function of time, but we're volunteering to mentor someone who wants yeah. to take it on. And it's an opportunity. Tell them that yeah. get an issue and we'll get back yeah. to you and we'll help you through it. You know? Yeah, it's good for all of us. I agree. And I think the other thing is feedback, right? So everything's open and in, in, developed in the open now, even if you just download the latest um, and run it against your application. I do it all the time. It's but then you can't just do that. You can't just download it and see what happens and then make your little fixes. You have to 
communicate. So yeah. that's why that that really that fourth step of the things I was breaking down. You have to communicate. You have to share your feedback because that's what makes the technology better. Not just you trying it and making your fixes and then keeping that to yourself and you know saying maybe you know I did this feel really good, make my product better, make my application better, make your project better. But what's going to make everything better in the end, the whole ecosystem is to share what happened. So asking for a friend, it, what, like asking for a friend, the GitHub, <laughs> GitHub.com spring projects, spring yes. dash projects. That's where that's the universe of spring. And then there's yeah. also GitHub.com forward slash spring, okay. forward slash spring dash cloud. I know where to go for those. Okay. But if I wanted to like find the code and start, you know, leaving, like finding those issues and so on, where do I go for open JDK Whoa. in that world? Do you want to download the early access builds or you want to find an open source be, project? I want to know. Things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, they're both really helpful. They easier to just go to like what is it? JDK.java.net. Download the early access build, yeah. so you can download like right now. Java 21 just came out, so you can yes. download Java 22. You can download early access builds of Java Project 22. Panama. Huh? Project Panama. It's in oh, 22. Okay. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. So you can download right now early access Java 22, and that would be. Um, one of the things you could do, then share your feedback. So download it running into your application. Yes, you can also download sometimes some of the projects have like standalone early access builds just for the project, yep. like project specific. Loom for years had that. Yeah, right. And then on the other side, if you wanted to find one of those um, open source projects, when you go to OpenJDK, the website on the left-hand side, there's projects, right? There's um, quality project, right? Quality project? Quality? Yeah, quality. It's alphabetical. Quality. Oh. So under quality, I'll explain how it relates to quality. You go in there, and then there's the list mm -hmm. of the issues. It's called quality outreach. It's called quality outreach because if all the open source projects and dependencies that people have as they migrate in between different versions of Java, if all those open source projects are already being ready to be on the next version. So right now, Java 22 is going to increase the quality of the whole release, and it's going to be easier uh, for companies to migrate to the next version because you might have thousands of dependencies that aren't ready yet if you're using lots of different open source projects. Quality, so, I get it now. But yeah, and it's only open source projects there. So if it's not <laughs> commercially backed, you know, it's a community it FOSS project, it would be listed there. Uh -huh. So that's where you find those projects. I so did. that's why I said it's two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Either the platform, you're downloading it and getting, you're kind of learning about what's coming next in the new release and seeing how your applications are going to work with it, or kind of on the other side, looking for just open source projects that are dependencies in the Java ecosystem. Another interesting thing about contributing to open source in general is certainly in my experience, many, many open source projects, and I think Spring is no exception in this, the core engineers don't necessarily put that much effort into sample apps. And I mean, certainly this oh, is yeah. true with, you know, a lot of the projects I see out there, even in different languages. So, you know, taking, say, building a really beautiful sample app, taking one of the sample apps that's out there, mm -hmm. that just making it so much better. Because if you look at any project that has traction, it's very likely that the core developers are really putting a ton of effort into the core. And it's not easy to, you know, add something and transform it. Like, you know, there's this person called Jürgen yeah. um, and, of course, others. But Jürgen has been doing this. He's been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. And he's kind of good. So, you know, Best, Spring yeah. Core is 
pretty good. There's not that much low-hanging fruit. Whereas if you look, for example, at areas that might be considered peripheral, like sample apps, they're not really peripheral in terms of how people come to the software. They're actually very important. And I think that can be a good way. Like if you contribute something that's absolutely awesome, because it may well be that you have better GUI skills than the developers. And I'm not just talking about Spring. I'm talking about lots of projects. You know, this, I think, can be very valuable. This is going to be a career-limiting move, but can I Spring-splain you? (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's required. One of the... (laughs) One of the, as you know, and have maybe forgotten, one of the biggest sample apps ever out there is the Pet Store, and we still maintain that. And that was written by Jurgen. And in, and in fact, you know, there's a whole GitHub organization. Is that, pet Store is that I, do, I, do, I do know of so Pet what Store. There was Pet Clinic. Pet Clinic, that's what I'm talking about. Ours is yeah. Pet Clinic. Pet Clinic. Oh. Sons was Pet Store. Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah. okay. Pet that's clinic. what I heard of. Ours is the Pet okay, Clinic. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then uh, .NET copied yeah. that for a minute. That was horrible. You remember that? Uh, the Reddit right when... Yeah. Anyway, so, Pet Clinic, there's a whole pet, org on GitHub. So Pet, pet Clinic, Pet Clinic, the original Pet Clinic was contributed in probably 2003, 2004 yep. by somebody called Ken Krebs, who was doing exactly this. Like Ken really wanted to contribute to the spring project. Um, I don't remember the details. I think he may have been relatively new to Java at that point in time. And he did something that was really valuable. Yeah. And it lives. It, 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 yeah. A thousand flowers. Yeah. Like I said, there's a whole yeah. org of them, mm-hmm. like microservices and uh, monolith and all, you know, all yeah. these different permutations of it now. But the yeah. core code, you can see Jurgen's yeah. name. That's the one of the reasons I love about Spring is you, I always tell people about this, uh, you, Rod, wrote the book before mm-hmm. the code. Yes, <laughs> like, which is unusual. <laughs> very yeah. unusual. Most people write the project and they're like, oh, I better document it now. No, he wrote the book explaining the principles behind it, the code sort of followed. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a couple, lot of code at the time. It of was hand in hand. But, you know, yeah, I think that's the one best. The other. That is unique about, I think, the Java ecosystem, right. though, that it, there is such a, so much rich um, documentation, and that's actually a comment about documentation from Dan. But And that's because in the Java ecosystem, really, it's required, right? Mm-hmm. And now, like Rod said, it goes hand in hand, right? Writing the specification and the documentation along with developing code at the same time. Um, And as someone's pointing out, right, that documentation is a great way to get involved and get started on a project. And I agree because uh, a lot of times that's the least favorite thing for people to do, but it is required uh, and people appreciate it. So the mm -hmm. the maintainers and the project leads will definitely appreciate you. And that's another thing, you know, when you're, if you decide to read the Java specification, providing any feedback on any part of it is valuable because they don't receive much feedback on the specification. Which is a shame because that's it, talk about something impactful. You get you that wrong, make, it yeah. screws up everybody yeah. for decades. Right. You know? right. Um, well, so oh. make it make it better. Yeah, make it much better quick. Um, <laughs> not that you could. It's very hard to improve upon Java. I'm just saying that is something. Well, I mean, the more people who help, the yeah. more innovation that can go into platforms. Oh. So that affects the pace, right? How many people help with those kind of things. <laughs> Pace is already breakneck. I'm a big fan. Well, no, but I mean, the pace is every six months, right? But yeah. more features can go in if there's more contributors coming sure. from yeah. the community. Yeah. Um, uh, Which I think, rats. by the way, is the way, is why we see more people contributing now that we have releases every six months is because it's like, oh, there's something new in sight. If I, if I contribute something, if I say I'm going to work on some part of this project, I'm actually going to see the results of that in six months. I don't have to wait three or four years. Which is... 
empowering because right that's human nature you want immediate gratification right? I mean, the, <laughs> certainly, well, certainly the spring team and others i'm sure uh have in, in we've had this nice dialogue a nice open line with the jdk mm -hmm. uh, with people working on the java language and so on yeah. and it's just very powerful to know hey my feedback turned into something that became better for everybody just six yeah. months later or in spring you know spring boot six months next week by the way spring boot 3.2 coming out next thursday thanksgiving yeah. here in the u.s i'm thankful for boot and you should be downloading it it's gonna come out <laughs> ga but that's all because of the feedback we got every you know these six month cycles that's super true. right so you had access early access you oh yeah yeah took it's, advantage of that it takes yeah. a village to worked kind of simultaneously along the process yes and then, and also this there's a synergy there's a what's it called Syn synergy synergy oh synergy. i said it i didn't mean to I'm synergy I'm thinking about Russ it was just appropriate remember. we're not throwing out buzzwords it's just appropriate <laughs> use of the word yeah, at the time there's a synergy there in um uh there's a synergy in the java the evolution of java and the evolution of spring right? yeah go hand yeah it goes hand in hand i agree yeah definitely um so okay, tell us. About, I'm. I'm. What is okay. the master plan? The master plan. This book is called Developer Career Master Plan. I'm not trying to give away the copy, the contents of the book. They should definitely go buy it. Right. Somebody, right. somebody was asking, where do you go buy it? I you buy it Amazon. on Amazon. It's also if you have a learning subscription on what is that O'Reilly. Yeah. You can get the ebook there. And and if you have it, like if your company or your university has like it's packed, right? Have yeah. it on their website. P A C. Tea. Um, uh, yeah, or but yeah, I think Amazon's the best place to get it. And this questioner was in Macedonia. That's the oh, okay. Kindle store. Yeah, I think you can get the, you can get the ebook in Macedonia. Yeah, yeah. So you can get it in most parts of Europe um, and the U.S. in a paperback and format. Double win. The ebook is usually cheaper. In India, yeah, the ebook yeah. is cheaper. Um, they have a so, cash can. Smaller, cheaper versions in India usually. Oh, uh, which is yeah, good too. Yeah, I yeah. My book is like. Whatever, five bucks there versus yeah. market anymore else. Oh, that's a good deal. For yeah. The market, you know. So what I think what's unique about the book, and I didn't really mention this, I said it has three parts. So the master plan is three parts, which is learn. So the first part of the book, it's 15 chapters. So maybe about five chapters are about learning and getting yourself into that mindset like I talked about. And then the second part of the book is about sharing. So learning those skills of how to share and how to develop the skills that maybe you don't think you want to exercise as much as your coding skills that are definitely required. And then part three is about making an impact. So taking sharing to the next level and making an impact. And the thing that's unique about the book is that every single chapter has stories from real world developers about how they've implemented that technique or that skill in their careers and what's happened as a result of that. So like Rod was reading right before we started this, he was reading about Ed Burns, right? Yep. In his chapter talking about standards, which was in um, part three, right? So making an impact by getting involved in standards and Ed has really fond memories of that helping his career. And so he was a perfect match. So it took a long time to really map people that I know in the community with each of those 15 chapters, but there, it did it did happen and some of the chapters have more than one story or example um but each chapter has at least one and that's really been the favorite thing in I, terms of what people share about the book they love that can i read the list of names okay this is a, sure this is a, read the list uh, there's some amazing people rafael del nero uh del nero we've got mala uh, uh mala gupta of course the legend ben weiss uh, barry bird uh nikita koslev helio silva barry bird scott wiersham 
Arun Gupta, okay, another legend, right? Scott uh, Wiersham, is he there twice? I think he is there twice because I mentioned him in one chapter, so uh -huh. I put his name there. Tiago Bonfim? Forgive me Bonfim. for... Okay. Tiago Bonfim. I, I did this to myself. I should have just said, oh, go check out the table of contents. No, no, no. go ahead. It's uh, fun. I'm, I'm now mispronouncing names left and no, right. No, no, go, on, yeah. Shame to me. Uh, uh, Nikita Koslev again, Edwin Dirks, Elder Moraes, okay, Rodrigo Graciano, Mary Grigleski, Trisha Gee, uh, Ishel Ruiz, uh, Josh Juno, Jim Weaver, uh, A.N.M. Basler Rahman, uh, Mimar Aslan, and Victor Grazzi, Wellington Rosa, Ed Burns, and Yolan Poirier. Poirier. Uh, Poirier. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just a who's who. I am not in the book. That's my you, I were, you were invited. So many yeah. people were invited, and I would have loved to include uh, more people, um, but sorry. the confines of the book. But I'm going to be doing more interviews that map to the book over the next year, um, just sharing those, maybe on my podcast. It kind of worked out well, though. I'm, I get to interview you yeah. uh, in a roundabout way. So here we yeah. are. But I love hearing stories, and really the reason why I started the book was because before the pandemic, I would get to go to conferences, and that was one of my favorite things was people coming up to me and asking for advice, and because they see so many people when they get involved with the programs that I've been involved with, their career just kind of takes off, so they wanted advice on what to do, and when I didn't have that conference interactive opportunity, I just was thinking of ways that I could share, and so that's how I put together a developer master plan. And when I was approached about writing the book, I invited Bruno Souza to write the book with me because he also has so much experience working with developers all over the world. And we really wanted to provide you the best of all the stories that we both heard over the course of our you careers. Know, I'm struck by, I, I'm just, Rod was saying this right before the show, and I am actually struck by just how much this, there is a lot. Cause it's, it's when I think tech books, I think go oh, half code, half right. explanation. This is just a pure, dense textbook with just text there's no code snippets right there's no this. code snippets in it the is, book <laughs> this is a lot you're buying it's a it's a career book and so that was the thing is like there's lots of code books right and oh, yeah. but and there's lots of career books but are there lots of career books for developers on what they need to do to really get the most out of their career and be satisfied in their career because that's often what it's what it is right you're doing a job it's like how do i advance or the only way to advance is maybe to go into management. Not everyone wants to go into management. So it really is a book about how to be a, lead, a technical leader if you don't, you're not taking that track of going to the management track, but still being able to advance your career. So really focused on the developer. And of course. Yeah. I must say I'm I am very impressed. I can't say I've read all of the book, but I've read as much of it as I've had time to in the last few days. And it's solid content. It's, yeah. you know, I, I I would expect in books about this kind of subject, there's often a lot of padding. And, like, this book nope. is solid yeah. content and it's kind of very practical and sensible and it, you know, deals with a lot of issues in considerable detail. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, me too. No padding. We, we held the line. I had a vision for the book. I feel like we, we carried through on the vision. Like I said, I want to share more examples. That's really all I, I would add to it. I, you're okay. Um, if the book had just been Heather and Bruno uh, espousing great ideas for 150 pages, whatever this book, 310, 310 pages. It feels what? It it's it's thin, <laughs> but it's heavy. Uh, if it had just been the two of you, that in of itself would have been worth their purchase. But it's you two, and then all these other luminaries. I mean, you can't. 
yeah. that's an incredible compendium. Well, well done. Thank you. I feel good about it. Really, the reason why I did it was so that other people can learn and enjoy their career more, be more fulfilled, and just feel like they're making a difference. Uh, yeah, I'm good. So, um, the Java, you, I noticed that Bruno, he's the, uh, he was the global director of the open source, of the open worldwide Java community. Java user group community. community. Yeah. Yes. And I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about that. In Brazil. Um, well, he, he, he was a leader for all of them and he's also a leader in the Brazilian Java user group. So Bruno Java. had the flag, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. that yes. was Bruno. He and still has the flag. Yeah. Actually, yeah. he's coming to San Francisco next week. Oh. So yeah, he'll be here next week. Yeah, yeah. So he'll be here Sunday, and um, you yeah, still be there? we're gonna we're gonna do a little gathering um, on Monday. No, I'm back on Sunday. Rod'll miss it, yeah. but yeah, and yeah. then uh, yeah, he's so. a good egg. User groups are great ways, actually. So for the person who asked about careers, I would I would check out a user group in your area. So that's, that's a great way to build your network and find out about job opportunities and maybe even projects that people are working on that you could help out with or get ideas for things to learn about. So um, yeah. My experience was exactly that. The Java user group okay. was my vein for yeah. this community, yeah. right? So I, I was living in uh, Phoenix, which is a place you can go when you want to, <laughs> he... to be inside most of the day, <laughs> most of the year. And, uh, and anyway, I was there, and there's a, uh, they have a really good Phoenix Java user group. I don't know if it's still good. I haven't been there. Honestly, thinking, I've but... never been to the Phoenix Java user thing. group. Phoenix, I, should, I should check it out. It's, it's phenomenal. Phoenix yeah. is like the third largest city in the U.S. Yeah. And I mean, they, I've been there, but I don't know the user group there. I would go again, and I would, I'd be happy to speak there again if, they, yep. if they'd have me. But uh, Shout out to Phoenix. Phoenix, and they have, <laughs> and I would go there every month dutifully, and I learned a ton, and I keep, James Ward was there, and then poor Keith Donald uh, deigned uh, to uh, to appear there. And, of course, I, I was at, like, I'm the guy that was at the end of the show saying, I've got these ideas, listen to me, you know, which is, and now I get those people who talk to me and I'm like, oh, I get you, give me a hug, you know, like we are, yeah. the, we are the same now. Yeah. But, but then yeah. because of that visibility, somebody said to me, somebody approached me from the server side. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I gave a presentation yeah. to yeah. somebody yeah. said, hey, do you want to speak at the server side? I said, yeah. sure. I did a few of those and eventually I bumped into you and I literally pounced on you <laughs> from behind a column. Uh, uh, and then kind of you didn't scare him too arm much. Arm, he, alarm him. Um, yeah, it was not great, but, but, it, but it worked. I got a, <laughs> you convinced him you weren't crazy. But... Uh, by being crazy, yeah, yeah. That was, I'm sure that would have worked. No, actually, that's another story, but I actually got my, I went over my future boss to uh, him, which uh, is hysterical. Did you, do you remember that? Oh, uh, you may have went, went over Adam. Poor Adam. Oh, yeah. I don't think Adam minded, yeah. but... Um, Adam is the, the best. Well, you got to so, sometimes yeah. go up the organization. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things I talk about is like yeah. manage up and down and across. So like all across the organization. Sometimes you mm -hmm. have to go up in order to like get that visibility as well as understand what are the priorities and what's the strategy. Yeah. You have it, to have yeah. a way to access that. Well, Adam would have gotten back to me. Yeah. I would have. Yeah. 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 It's just yeah. that the guy yeah. had yeah. more work down yeah. the floor and out the door than any yeah. person I've ever had the privilege of knowing since or before, right? Yeah. The guy is yeah. oh, a machine. And I, so I, I wasn't getting a response fast enough. It was like a month. And I think I would have gotten a response eventually. Now, now that I know him as well as yeah. I do, I know I would have gotten a yeah. response eventually, but I was in a bit of a deadline. You have to, you have to seize the opportunity yeah. and you have yeah. to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. So I think the stories that I wanted Josh to share in the book, yeah. which he's going to share with me eventually, but I really have already heard them, but I haven't shared them with more people is yes, the user groups, 
social media, obviously. And then that story you told me about, you know, when you used to attend DevOps, but then the first time you, know, you were invited to speak. So that's public speaking. That's oh, another yeah. chapter. Josh would have been perfect for any of those chapters. But obviously, you know, you're all here watching Josh's show. So he's a luminary, right? And there's three right there. Three things right there. Three of the chapters in the book. Oh, yeah. He incorporated those into his career. And it just shows, you know, where you can go. If you just pick, you don't have to do all the things. Just pick any of them. Really? Well, I think what, you know, Josh has alluded to in Phoenix is that first step. Like if you go to your local users group and meetups for whatever technology, that's definitely a valuable thing in itself for networking. But very often these chapters are struggling to find content. In fact, Absolutely. all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something I wish somebody had told me um early on that like you can often it's just as simple as to say i want to give a talk and they're like oh yes please right. i mean obviously you do need to prepare it and know what you're talking about so i gave i think my first Is tech talk you don't have to know everything now that's important my, don't get intimidated by thinking you have to know everything but my first tech talk in like i had identified this is something i wanted to do because again remember when i talked about strengths and weaknesses i knew i was a fairly good public speaker because i taught at a university for years, mm -hmm. like in a different mm -hmm. space but like i had absolutely no you idea have the skills, yes. of public speaking so my first talk was in North Sydney, I happened to be living in Australia at the time, in I think 1998, and it was on JSP 0.0.91 or 0.92. Oh, okay. I'm sure someone um, online can answer that. Someone's seen the that first talk. version of that. Well, no, I don't think anybody's seen this talk. I don't think it was video. But whatever that, it was the first version of the JSP spec that was put out there and anybody was trying to use. In retrospect, it's quite funny that that was my first tech talk because it was a truly bad version of something that was a truly horrible idea and was like massively abused for years. Um, but, you know, humble beginnings. That's where I gave my first tech talk about this truly terrible thing. Okay. Well, there you go. So I think, you know, the other thing is, I agree with what Rod just said, but also one of the great ways to give your first talk goes back to chapter one, what I talked about learning something new. So you can, as you're learning something new, think about how you would give a talk, sharing your perspective of how you learned it. So that, you know, that can not only give a unique perspective to maybe something that people have already heard a different talk on, but how did you learn it? What are some of your tips? And you're kind of like ingraining it more into your memory if as you're learning something, you're thinking about how you're gonna share it with your community. So that's a great talk to give Teaching as a, a job. Teaching is a road to mastery. Yeah. Can I, yeah. awkward digression here, do, can I just read aloud? Okay. Uh, enter into the record your table of contents. Uh, <laughs> okay. Just because I, you know, I, I, I don't, I feel like we're gonna. I, this conversation is super good. Okay. But it's unwieldy, and I want to make sure we get. Okay. I want people to understand that this book is something they should be in their, have in their bookshelves. It makes a great stocking stuffer. It's the holiday season. It's paperback. Uh, you can fold it. Is yeah. it? Does it? Oh, roll I didn't it? even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, you roll it into a stocking. <sighs> That's great. Okay. I love stockings. If I don't get a stocking, I'm really disappointed. I mean, and, and so is this my Christmas gift? It is. 
Because I get I get to keep Christmas. Christmas. You're gonna have to put it. I brought it for you. I brought it for you. I'll put it under the tree. I don't even. It's not even just the stocking stuff. That's stockings are where we keep the apples and the dental floss that you get. Okay. So the secret. Do you do that for your kids, by the way? Do you like? My mom gave me like apples and floss and stuff. The stockings were like. I mean, needed, you have to put a fruit in the very I mean, bottom. Like, you have floss? to put fruit. Yeah. Like, I never well, gave floss, but either an apple or an orange in the bottom of the stock right. really gives it shape. I got mean, it. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just saying to um, Josh and Heather, I have a very severe toothache at the moment. Oh, dear. Your mother loved you, Josh. Yes. <laughs> I, actually, I think I now see, right now, I see the love. That was very yeah. much so. Oh, poor guy. Um, Okay, so uh, table of contents. Here, let me just get through this quickly. Okay. The secret to learning about technology quickly and continuously. That's the chapter name, by the way, folks, if you're confused about these random utterances. Uh, chapter two, choose your best path for learning, training, and certifications. Interesting, by the way, I have thoughts on this because uh, I took. I, I am technically a SUN-certified Java programmer. Yeah. And um, anyway, optimize your support network for growth. That's chapter three. Acquire the right skills deliberately. <laughs> I could have used that advice every day. <laughs> Uh, stepping outside your comfort zone, it doesn't, I don't have, I have no shame. There's no comfort zone. Become a team player by embracing uh, communities. Uh, focus your growth by giving and receiving mentoring. Oh, that's profound. I like that one. Right, mentoring is key, yeah. Be a part of a larger group, meeting people, use groups and meetups. Hey, that's the one we, we I think we just. We covered that one. Not, not nearly so well as in the chapter. That's true. Um, grow your network through social media. Oh, I'm. Build lasting relationships. Uh, yeah, okay. We're, I mean, the the fact that we're all sat here is sort of that. Build trust and solve problems with open source projects. Okay, ditto. Likewise, scaling trust through public engagement, speaking, and blogs. Okay, yeah, with you. Be a leader, manage up, down, and across the organization. I quite like that. And I quite like, uh, did you see Kelsey's amazing th no. excretion? Oh, hey, I'm, you're, you're thumbs upping, or am I doing it? I'm not sure. Oh, I think it just, it it just must have been. Been. We got a yeah. comment. Okay, it's reading. Uh, reaction. Okay. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. Kelsey had a great expression about this. Something. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what you're supposed to call people, what, what they do on X. I think mm -hmm. I'm just calling it an excretion. Anyway. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, whatever. Um, uh, so, and then stepping up your, your technology game, defining technology instead of merely using it, build your personal brand and become a trusted advisor. So, in a book yeah. about software developer careers, friends, notice that. Very sparse few chapters have anything to do with building more software, and they have everything to do with the stuff, the ambient sort of satellite stuff, the people, the process, the communities, the yeah, right. If you want to grow your everything career trajectory, gonna, yeah, it's gonna make you stand out, right? I mean, it's kind of like understood. So if you're developing, you you have to obviously have some technical skills, sure. but what else? That's so it's everything things. else. It's everything yeah. else as well exactly. as you know how to pick the new technologies yeah. to learn. So that you're always growing and evolving, but at the same time, you're not getting burnout um, and that, you know, overwhelmed, which is a, a thing that happens, especially to newcomers or students. I get that question a lot when I'm speaking to students. Well, they're overwhelmed with how to pick the right thing and that, you know, how there's so much to learn and they feel like they have to learn everything. And so the book uh -huh. kind of gives some guidance on how to select things and Rod shared some things. If you're not overwhelmed, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm yeah. not a student. Yeah. Right, but yeah, there's oh, just a framework geez. for, for you know, no. making that work and sustainable, right? So you can have a career that lasts over time. Yeah. yeah. Also, I would recommend if you're picking things, I mean, if you're 
obviously not. Many of us are in situations where we don't get to pick on a daily basis because we're, you know, working with existing technologies yeah. or whatever needs to be done. But, you know, when you've got the opportunity to make choices, consider what is well suited to your strengths and weaknesses, but also consider what you enjoy. Because, you know, there is something that makes it profoundly easier to work on something that you believe in, that you enjoy. And there always will be differences when you look across different things. Like, I mean, there's, you know, there are plenty of things in software that are, that are exciting to me. There are plenty of things that are not exciting to me. And I both have a lot more fun, probably do a better job when I focus on the things that um, I enjoy. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I'm fully aware that this is, this is kind of a nice to have and many people are not in the position to choose. But whatever you can do to, right. you know, align what you're doing with things that you're more naturally interested in will yeah. make your life happier and make you better at what you're doing. Did you ever read yeah. that book, Drive, by Daniel H. Pink? I've heard that book, but I didn't read it. It, it, it's, it posits that people... Uh, that feel, because it asks the question, why, what is the engine of drive that uh, motivates people to work without pecuniary remuneration on things like open source projects mm -hmm. when they're like, you know, like why, what is the, what is the intrinsic value of yeah. working on open source when you could be earning a paycheck doing something else? And mm -hmm. it's like, it, it basically there's drive 1.0, which is like perpetuate the species, eat, you know, all these other carnal mm -hmm. things. Uh, drive 2.0 is carrot and stick. So if you want to incentivize something in your in your uh, populace, then you you tax. If if you want, you you make it cheap. You take mm -hmm. away. You give them rebates and all that stuff. If you want to disincentivize it, you tax it like alcohol. You, you disincentivize that. And drive 3.0 is what is that? Why do people work on open source, which promises no money, no yeah, not even necessarily notoriety, and yet somehow people are willing to commit to that. And it, it basically. The book says at, at some point, there's a, a, a number after which if you've got enough money in your bank account and your bills are paid, mm -hmm. you're like, you're not going to starve. As long as you're not going to starve and you're not going to yeah. be on the streets or whatever. Uh, after that, there's a certain number where extra money doesn't really motivate you anymore, right? Mm -hmm. there's a, whatever yeah. that threshold is for you, it's different, different per locale and whatever. And then it says, uh, in fact, so what is the question? The question is, what does motivate you? What, yeah. what and, the, and it gives an example of Zappos. Zappos was the shoe right. online e-tater, and, and that company had a they sold shoes online, which is a very intimate thing. Uh, and of course, they have a they, that's people aren't going to do that lightly if they feel like there's going to be harangued when they call customer support. Yeah. Right? If I because I if I buy a pair of shoes without walking in them, and I yeah. put them on and I don't like them and I can't return them, why would I ever do that, right? So uh, Zappos had this great insight, which is we need to make the call centers legendary. Mm -hmm. Okay, how do you do that? And they gave, they realized that most people that work at call centers at the time were very sort of sorely uh, demotivated, right? They mm -hmm. they worked in a call center, loud, hectic. They had to be there at odd hours. People were yeah. yelling at them. They had to read the script and follow the script and push the script. Yeah. They were very disincentivized. Mm -hmm. And Zappos had a different formula. They said, look, people can do this from their kitchen table when they're watching their kids. They don't need to be in our call center. Mm -hmm. They can. It's the gig economy, the original, the original gig economy. They can log on whenever they want, right? They can do it before... They drop off their kids and maybe during well, kids at school and they have to log off and that's fine. Yeah. They can do it five hours a day or 12 or whatever they want, right? Uh, and also they can control how they solve the problem. Mm -hmm. They can talk to the customer and say, hey, I, 
like I'm the customer's upset. Okay, fine. You want to talk about the sports or you, I can give you a refund right now. Question, no questions asked. You have full autonomy over how you solve the problem. And so yeah. these three things let people feel like they're invested in the solution uh, as opposed to uh, they're just following orders like a drone and a robot in a factory or something. And that, that I think what to Rod's point, if you can find something that gives you those three dimensions, the, the control over what task you're doing, mm-hmm. the time in which you're doing it and the technique mm-hmm. that you use to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have a, a higher purpose as long as your basic monthly sort of nut is met, of course. You know, right. You're, you're, mm-hmm. You have food in your belly and your kids aren't have shoes, you know. Right. Uh, it's hard sense. to do that, but strive for that. Aim for that. Find the thing that meets those three things and I, you'll yeah. never be sacked. You'll, that's the, if you're happy with what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life, that thing. Mm-hmm. You know. That's true. Uh, that's true. And I mean, Science. there are some people that don't want to do open source projects. That's the thing about that list you just read off, right? You don't have to do everything, but at least if you can add, pick some things that you think you could start with or try you and see what happens, right? See what you can fit into your career and see like open source is a, and public speaking are great because you get so many different things as a result mm-hmm. of them. Like some people times they ask me like, if you had to pick one thing out of the chapters that you did in the book, like which yeah. one would you pick? Yeah, which one would you pick? And I think public speaking is the one that oh. I would pick. And even though I'm actually an introvert, you probably won't believe that, but I am an introvert. And so, you know, what I discovered was I could become good at this and that would provide benefits in my career. It would be, help me with my network. It would help me with my visibility. Um, it would help me to learn new things. Right. Sure. So, I mean, I think, and I think you even find mentors that way. I mean, mentors, mentoring is a, one of those topics that can be kind of awkward, right? So you can kind of informally meet people through do, doing public speaking and you know ask them questions or people ask you questions and kind of becomes that reciprocal type relationship because in mentoring, both the mentor and the mentee benefit, right? It's not just one or the other. So public speaking really provides that opportunity for you to you know, not only network, but no. find potential mentors no. or mentees. And now they're talking about um, mentoring and community. One thing that I think really is quite important is karma. Um, back in my very early days when I wanted to get from music to software, I asked some friends of friends who were in the software industry for advice. Several of them were not helpful at all. And I remember thinking if I'm ever successful in this career, if somebody asks me for help, I'm going to do my best to help them. And I really do think I followed up on that. So, you know, karma really matters. Even when you're the person who's, you know, gradually climbing and you may not think you have something to give back, potentially you do. And a good example of this happened in spring and was quite wonderful to see. So I think one of the things I was quite proud about with Spring is we really were a pretty well-behaved community. Like in those days, nobody had a code of conduct or anything, but we had we had zero problems. I think there was one person we banned from the forums, but broadly speaking, because the core developers were respectful and helpful when they answered questions, you very swiftly got a cohort of people who came up and it's like, well, Rod or Colin or Jürgen or Keith answered a question for me. Here's a question. I'm not going to make one of them answer it because I know the answer, so I'm going to answer it for that person. And, in fact, that not only worked well in terms of the community, but it 
affected people's careers. So, for example, Costin Lau, whom I had lunch with oh, right. um, a few days ago, um, awesome, awesome developer, um, was a core spring developer, has been at Elastic um, for quite a number of years. So now a really senior person, um, really successful, brilliant guy. Costin was at the time that we decided he was, I think at the time he was living in Latvia, we were actually going to fly him out to a conference in Belgium to interview him. And we decided to do that because he was number one poster in the spring forums at that time. And, you know, he's, he was just awesome. But, you know, I think it's a perfect example of how originally he obviously felt he'd been helped and he wanted to give back. Mm -hmm. And it ended up probably gradually without him having a master plan, yeah. making him a very successful software engineer. Mm -hmm. he's, so. He was on the spring team probably close to a decade and he's been at Elastic for more than a decade now. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Costin's a, a superstar and he's one of those, he's like Jurgen. He if you if you ask him a question, he's very kind, but he's not out there like I'm like a there's a what's the uh, there's a ratio of style uh, substance to yeah. style, you know, and I'm mostly style with very little substance. Jurgen is mostly substance with some style. Yeah. He can be, and I think Costin's that as well. He's just 100% good stuff, but he's not loud. He's not uh, pompous. I don't know. He, he's just not. You're, he's just a quiet mouse, but he's just amazing. He's a mighty mouse. That's what I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. The guy is so, so overwhelmingly awesome. Yeah. Mm. But I, yeah, I think it was in this case, it was someone who wanted to give back. And ultimately, I'm sure it wasn't his intention at the time, but, you know, ultimately it did put him on a different trajectory in his career that um, has really taken him to a different level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I think, well, the same thing, right? I mean, do you remember um, Manuel Jordan? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. he was yeah. another one of those people mm -hmm. where I'm just like, I love that there's somebody out there that cares so much about a, our community that they go to the mm -hmm. extent that before we had Stack Overflow, he, he if, mm -hmm. if our bulletin board had a, a point system or a karma system like Stack Overflow, mm -hmm. his would have been like 50 billion, you know? Like it was just yeah. absurd how much that person gave back to the community. Um, yeah, uh, I just love that. Uh, you know, I think another. Forward. Yeah, I agree. And I think another thing about certain people that you remember a lot and and think kindly on are people that have those skills that you know communication and collaboration skills in addition to technical skills. I think that's one of the other key things that we didn't really highlight. If we we're going to highlight one more thing yeah. um, that is covered uh, in. I think in chapter four, we talk with Arun Gupta. You mentioned Arun. Arun. Yeah, it talks about those those skills, right? Like, And sometimes people don't know what skills to develop, right? They think they should just learn more technologies. But actually, if you spend some time developing some of the skills that your stories were just highlighting, right? Collaboration with the community, communicating with each other, sharing things like critical thinking, those are skills that you can't learn in isolation. You learn them by working with other humans. You practice them. You become a better communicator. You become better at collaborating with people, whether they're inside your company or they're at a conference um, or they're across the globe. I mean, now so many teams are distributed teams or hybrid teams, right? And those skills become even more important. So even if you got into technology and learned how to code thinking that you weren't going to have to interact with other people, 
you need to look at some ways that you can develop those skills because hiring managers would much rather hire the developer who has those skills, even if mm. they have maybe a lower level of the technical skills. If that if, a, if two candidates are vying for a position and one is just <laughs> the highest technical candidate, right, has all the skills, excellent, mm. and really, you know, not really pleasant, doesn't have a great demeanor, doesn't really like to communicate or collaborate with each other people. And then you have this other candidate, maybe this skill's not quite as good as the other candidate, but they communicate with others. They have a track record of being collaborative. Like they share things in the community. They're working on an open source project or their speaker, or they have, you know, social media presence. Most hiring managers in the current era are going to pick the candidate that has maybe not as great technical skills, but has the ability to work well yeah. with other people. I there's a when at Pivotal we had the the for every new candidate that wanted to work at Pivotal Labs, there's mm -hmm. a, a pair programming interview. The whole point was it was it was on paper superficially if you just squint at it, it was a whiteboard algorithm test. But it wasn't. We didn't actually care. We just wanted wow. to know how well you worked with your the your, the interviewer mm -hmm. to sort of arrive at the right result results because you're doing it together, you're pairing, right? Right. right. And Fair. it was if you can collaborate, you know, anything's possible. And being mm -hmm. able to sort of tease out the right answer mm -hmm. uh, uh, through collaboration that's so so important. And yeah, I also think going back to Spring for a second and, and JD, Open JDK too. I'm sure uh, I haven't had the privilege of contributing because I don't need to, this is perfect. Um, but uh, uh, going back to my experiences with Spring, I contributed to some open source projects and it, it, it <clears throat> I always felt, I always felt like I was just, uh, I didn't, there's some projects where I felt like I was just, I was one person plugging a hole that any other person on that project could have plugged, okay? But uh, on the other hand, when I, like some of my first interactions with the Spring Project were like with Mark Fisher or Dave Sire, right? These are not people that are the same. We are not the same. There's no galaxy in which those names and I are the same, right? They are uh, just the, the fact that they deigned to take time to like acknowledge my message was like beyond my wildest dreams. And so that is, imagine getting Jurgen Huller to guide you through a process, like to sit there and get somebody like him. You couldn't pay to get somebody like him to mentor you. But if you submit to his project and like make a, a meaningful effort uh, mm -hmm. or, or a, a demonst demonstrable effort, like people like that will come out of, uh, come out and help you get better at your craft. Mm -hmm. And it's just yeah. free. You can't, there's no college. Jurgen yeah. doesn't teach. Right. There's no, he's not, he could, I mean, he could be anything he wants, of course, but like mm -hmm. you, you get access to these amazing people, you know, and that's, same thing in the open JDK. These are people that are doing things that like only a handful of people on the planet understand. Uh, right. You just yeah. imagine. I mean, we're just talking about the two communities we're familiar with, right? But yeah. it could be any community, right? It, it, and it mm -hmm. translates to any technology. And even really the things in the book, if you apply them to any career, yeah. it would work. It's just that the examples in the book are developers applying <laughs> them to their career. But they're, they're things that really translate to any career. I forgot to... Quick huh? plug for myself. Yes. I'm doing a thing with Arun Gupta. I'm doing like a webinar of some sort. Okay. I'll, I'll have details on that, but stay tuned. I forgot about that. Like, it's probably a LinkedIn Live. I was on his LinkedIn Live. Yeah, that sounds good, right? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be one of those. And, yeah. I was on a LinkedIn Live, um, I think about a month ago. 
Okay. Yeah. That sounds like fun. I did okay. it. It was fun. I went to Good Egg. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, the collaboration, I think, is super, super important, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're right. And that's... Uh, it's, it's in there. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you can't collaborate, you're going to be really limited in your career, honestly. I, or, or even worse, I mean, you'll be set back. I know some people that I would go out of my way to make sure never got a job in an organization if I was there, mm-hmm. if they approached, because I know how my, you know, just miserable they can be. Yeah. You know, there are some people yeah. that are just, no way, I, I'd rather leave than deal with them again, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there is a history, and this is this is another piece of advice. I'm not sure if this is in the book, so <laughs> tell me if it's in the book. I'll tell you. Um, so, you know, take more of an interest in business. I think that, you know, even if you have no interest as a developer in starting a business, I do actually think that thinking a little bit about business is useful and also do it in a context of humility. Like I know from experience that anybody who runs a software company will get emails from engineers explaining why everyone in sales is a moron um, and all our marketing is wrong. And obviously those things are not true. So, you know, and what it does reflect is that there is in many engineers, and I mean, I think, Everybody who's a good engineer has felt this at times, but we need to fight it. This kind of sense of arrogance that we're the smart people and yeah. the salespeople or marketing mm-hmm. people, they don't get it, only we get it. I'm a marketing person, technically. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying anything against marketing. Um, but, you know, I think it is one of the important learnings for me is, well, I don't think, look, I probably can't help having an ego in other ways, so I'm not going to say that I don't, sometimes suffer from arrogance. And I think that was the kind of arrogance that I had. But nevertheless, over time, I realized more the skills, the skills that people in marketing and sales have that most engineers don't have. So, you know, I would encourage people to think about business, but don't do it in a bad way. Don't do it in the way where you think about it for long enough to conclude that everyone in sales and marketing is totally wrong and you've got the answers from first principles. I mean, you may have some good ideas, but the fact is there are also skills there that it's quite likely you don't understand. And reflecting on what those skills are, why many of those people are successful at their jobs is actually potentially really quite useful. 100%. Making sure I'm not missing any questions and stuff. Any questions or comments? Any any last questions? I think we're, we're ready to wrap it up yeah, after we take the last questions. So if anyone has questions, we can address um, them. Yeah, this has been fun. Yeah, it's great, good fun. I, I what a privilege to get you two, uh, of all people, uh, to sort of suffer these uh, uh, the, the the us lowers. I appreciate it. I'm just so <laughs> no, so privileged to, to see not. you all here. Um, well, thanks for having oh. us on your well, so, podcast okay. live stream. It was fun. This technology stuff. It's yeah. good stuff. Um. Okay. First question: Are you on the internet? Both of you. Am I on the internet? I am on the internet. And do you want almost, to be found? Almost all the time. <laughs> and do you want to be found? I can be found. I can be found on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Twitter, Heather VC. <gasps> Ramnivas. Hey, Ramnivas. Oh, uh, oh, buddy. Hi, bud. Good to see you. Um, I was talking, Ramnivas, I was talking to a mutual friend about you the other day. Um, and we were talking about AOP today just now. Yeah. Oh, I would love to get him in the studio as well. I think we, yeah, 
Yeah. I'm sorry. No, 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 that's Old it. Friend of ours. That's I said it, right? So LinkedIn. On, on on Twitter or X, Heather VC, LinkedIn, just Heather Van Cura and Rod. I am Spring Rod on Twitter or X or whatever it's currently called. <laughs> right. I must admit I don't use it very much and I'm yeah. Happy for um, I would be happier to feel happier about using it, but yeah, I'm still there. So yeah, uh, yeah. and realistically I probably Probably will start using it more. I'm also on LinkedIn. Okay. I, thanks, everybody. This has been fun. It Have was fun. Thanks yeah. for hosting us, Josh, and letting us see your beautiful view. Uh, you're always welcome. Sharing about there. the book. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, just For those who just joined, Developer Career uh, Master Plan by Heather Ventura and Bruno Souza. That's uh, right. Get your copy. This is a good get your copy on on Amazon. Yes. On Amazon, at least. Where it might not be in your local bookstore because it is very specific it's to good. developers. So yes, it is. It is. You know, it's quite a bit of knowledge in there. Lots of lots of stories. So just I hope you enjoy it. Legendary. All right, everybody. Have a okay. Thank happy you for holiday. listening. Thank Somebody you. Hit end stream for me, would you? End stream. Hit it. Yep. And we gotta do it again for some reason. Hit it twice. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.